Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Cane Creek Cycling Podcast. I'm Luke Bukowski, the marketing director at Cane Creek, and I'll be your host for the first episode. You know those people that seem to know everybody and everybody seems to know them? Well, in the cycling world, Peter Gilbert is definitely one of those guys. He's been with Cane Creek for more than 32 years, and in that time has seen some pretty dramatic changes, not just for the company, but for the cycling industry overall. I had the opportunity to sit down with Peter recently and talk to him about the history of Cane Creek and the cycling industry as he's lived it. So that's what today's episode is all about. It's that conversation with Peter, and without further ado, here it is. I hope you enjoy. I'm talking with Peter Gilbert, who is, uh, what, what is your official title? Director of Distributor Sales. And he's been with Cane Creek for 32 years. And that's actually not 100% accurate, right? Because... In all fairness, that that is not completely accurate. I was actually hired in uh, 1987 uh, uh, to be the West Coast sales representative for Diacomp Brakes, which is a Japanese brake manufacturer. Uh, They need a West Coast guy, and uh, I signed up. And and how does Diacomp relate to Cane Creek? How how does that transition? Diacomp is sort of the legacy of Cane Creek. Diacomp started here in Western North Carolina in 1974. Um, manufacturing brakes to serve uh, bicycle assembly here in the United States, Schwinn, Roadmaster, Huffy, Columbia. Uh, as time went on, uh, manufacturing moved offshore and, and Diacomp uh, became more of a distribution company of the Diacomp brakes. At the time, it was primarily, when I say at the time, 1987, it was primarily mountain bike products, BMX products, road products. Um, so so that that's kind of where our roots are. And in 1991, we purchased ourselves away from Diacomp and became um, an independent company. And at the time, we, we named ourselves Diacomp USA Incorporated. And shortly after that, we converted the name to King Creek Cycling Components, named after the valley that we reside in. And this facility that we are sitting in now, it was made for Diacomp. And it has been through a lot of iterations, but it's only made bike parts, right? Uh, that, that's correct. It, it, again, when it started it back in 74, broke ground here to build the building, uh, it was a dedicated bicycle brake assembly facility. Uh, so, so the parts were being fabricated and then assembled here and then sent off to the various, uh, pr- again, primarily bike manufacturers uh, back in the, the mid-70s, which is just at the end of one of the early bike booms of the 70s where anything that had 10 speeds would sell. It was it was a, a good times for bikes. Um over the years, uh, the building is is uh, remained relatively the same from the outside, but inside it's morphed quite a bit, from uh, being a brake company, a lot of warehousing, some assembly, to um, yeah. In the early days, uh, when I started here, uh, assembly of Rockshocks. We were founding partners in Rockshock, and all the RS ones and Mag twenties were assembled here for for several years. Um, uh, when Rockshock moved on, uh, we morphed again, and 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 Cane Creek components. Uh, became uh, something that was regularly being assembled here and, and has been really ever since. And it ranges from, um, again, simple assembly of products that we bring in to products that are cut in-house uh, and, and finished um, and assembled here as well. Uh, this is our sole office globally. So it's it's it, it, we're not a, a sub-office of an office in Taiwan or, or uh, uh, somewhere in Europe. This, this is us. And so all 40... 45 of us are here in Western North Carolina, and we serve the, the global market. 
you mentioned the, the summary timeline, but there are some pretty key moments, I'd say, along the way. And you, you kind of just touched on one with Rock Shocks. Um, and that was a pretty transformative time for the company. I, I just wondered if you, you'd kind of touch on that transformation in that period of the early 90s. Yeah, that's a good question. It, it, again, the, the conversion from what we were when I started as Diacomp, the break specialist, uh, to what we are today, uh, it, 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 involved, it involved quite a bit of, of, of morphing and changing. Um, in, in the day, this, you know, mid-70s into the 80s, uh, Diacomp was the brake specialist. That's what they did. They did brakes. They, they really had, um, um, I, I guess, um, an aversion to making anything else other than brakes. You know, it, it's, it's, that's, that was their deal. There were other partners in, in Japan that would make crank arms or, or chains or bottom brackets. Um, once our ties uh, became um, loosened from the Daikon uh, heritage in Japan, which is which is a positive experience, by the way, it's not negative, but it allowed us to be a little bit more open-minded. And, and in a community in the United States where mountain bikes were just beginning to, to go crazy, um, opportunities popped up. Rock Shock was one of them. Um, and, and again, good opportunity for us. Taught us a lot about suspension, about assembly with more intricate things involving seal and oils. Um, we uh, discovered the fellow John Raider who had the threadless headset and, and hence began, uh, began the, uh, the whole threadless headset business for us, which uh, lasted a wonderful 17 plus years as, as, as the patent went and continues to thrive for us today um, without the support of the patent. Um, and again, along the way, there's a, a number of other things. If you kind of look back at our history, it, it, we've never had much of a closed door must be designed or invented here. Uh, it's been much more of an open approach um, with with uh, visibility of, on things like RockShock, a headset. Um, we we work with Hayes Brake in in Wisconsin to develop a uh, a, a disc brake before its time. <laughs> um, again, good experience. You you learn. You, you have to try these things. Um, suspension C posts, the Thudbuster, uh, funky name, amazingly great product. Uh, not invented here. Uh, Ryan McFarlane up there in the D Dakotas is the one who designed it and came up with it, patented it. Same guy who did the Strider. Same guy who did the, yeah. is doing the Strider today. Yeah. So uh, again, a, a clever guy, uh, definitely an entrepreneur. Um, when we took over the Thudbuster business, it was time for him to, to let it move on so he could move on to other things. And uh, again, it's been just a, a wonderful product for us that's been you know, redesigned. I think we're on our fourth iteration uh, of the product and uh, continues to evolve. Uh, and there's a number of other little products along the way that, that have come and gone that uh, some were m probably more brilliant than others. Hmm. Uh, again, a lot of learning experiences uh, for a short period of time. Uh, for those that are historical mountain bike buffs, we were uh, uh, the owners of the Anza brand. Uh, very trendy California company. Uh, some really crazy innovation at the time, bar ends and tires and um, a number of other products. And, and, and we learned fairly quickly we weren't quite that trendy. You know, we, we're... Uh, we tend to take our, our products uh, a, a little bit more, I want to say methodically in a good way. You know, we really try to think them out and not have a product that is a, you know, a, you know, a, a, a one hit wonder. You know, we, we try to have, have products and come up with something that's a good alternative that is, uh, is, is going to be uh, lasting. I guess touching on products, you've, and you've touched on this several times with the products we brought in house, we've got a variety of products. It's kind of gone here and there and maybe a few things that were before their time. Um, 
but I think, uh, from my point of view at least, we uh, one of the the trademarks, one of the through lines, even long before myself or anybody else uh, that's currently making product decisions, probably besides yourself, um, there seems to be a through line of willingness to go outside of an expected safe zone. I don't know if that's, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I guess it, it seems like um, some companies find their groove and stick to it. And um, maybe we think of our groove in a different way. Um, I wonder if you could kind of touch on that. Yeah, it, it, that's a it's, a, it's a good observation. Um, I, I suppose you could look at it, say that, that if we went back to, you know, 1989, 1990, as the threadless headset was being developed, um, that 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 almost could have been it, and and, and it would have been a, a, a phenomenally good one-hit wonder. We could have made them in different colors, you know, and and you know, uh, uh, put some fun names on them every six months. Uh, but again, that that's really kind of not our style. That's that doesn't make us smile as we come into the office. You know, what makes us smile is. Uh, a titanium crank, uh, a, a a really cool intricate suspension product that gives the the end user um, phenomenal range of adjustment, you know, and s- solid performance. So so you y- y- have to be. Uh, we believe that y- you have to take some risk. You have to you have to try something. You know, you want to make good decisions, but sometimes you got to go down that path a little bit to decide was this this trail that I don't know where it goes. Was it a good decision to go down it or not, or do I have a long hike back up? You know, and uh, you know, you, you try to make some good decisions as to uh, you know where is it worth giving it a start and, and, and seeing where it leads, and and you get some winners along the way. And uh, and as I indicated, a couple of the products you, you learn. You know, you, you learn that hey, we can actually do something with oil and seals and suspension, uh, and that goes back to Rock Shock and you know again 1989, 1990, uh, and then over the years we've been in and out of suspension. Um, uh, and and currently with the the double barrel and the the helm offerings, I've, I've got a good solid offering that uh, a lot of its roots go back to the the early days where we we learned it's we're not just the brake specialist. Mm-hmm. We can do a lot more, uh, and and you get the right people around you and you keep your eyes open. You know you you see some opportunities. You know it's interesting. So this just occurred to me as you were talking. Also we're we're talking about the people in the building and we're talking about the way that we do things. I think a lot of people may not have a clear understanding of of who we are as a company in terms of yes as a, that's a that's a really good question one of the most entertaining things and I, I still have an opportunity to travel quite a bit which I thoroughly enjoy um, you, you, you're talking to a, a an end user at a show in the Netherlands or a, you meet someone on trail in Switzerland and they start talking about uh, Kane Creek and who you are uh, as I indicated uh, you know we're, we're we're about 45 employees here in, in Fletcher, North Carolina, which is up in the mountains, we're about almost a thousand meters up, give or take. Um, so it's a really nice place to be, and 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 it's it's uh, it's kind of a small, intimate group of people uh, that are quite dedicated to what we do. And, and because of the size of the company, we're also had that opportunity to be involved in a lot of things. I indicated uh, that you know my role here is director of distributor sales, which is is. Um, uh, Again, a very specific task, but on any given day, uh, I personally am involved with, and a number of other people in the team are involved with a lot more than um, what our title says. So I'm involved with 
you know, product development, uh, product management, um, kind of I, uh, overall mentoring the sales team as being the old guy in the building. I'm the archivist. So if someone wants to know, boy, did we ever make this thing that someone on email is asking us about? And I can uh, respond to those things. So, so we, we wear a lot of hats here, which is really keeps the day-to-day uh, activities again. As I said earlier, keeps you smiling. It, it's not, you know, every day coming in and doing the same thing with the same product and trying to come up with a new pattern on a handlebar grip uh, or something like that. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's definitely more entertaining than that. Uh, but again, the, the size of the company, um, products are, are, are cut in-house products are purchased from outside and brought in, uh, a huge amount of assembly work goes on inside the building. Uh, the, 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 uh, the suspension products, the titanium cranks, the bottom brackets, a number of our products, uh, breaks still. Um, but, uh, the team here is, is responsible for, you know, get, getting those products in, running the QC on them. Um, these products, by the way, are, are, are designed by us. You know, we, we, uh, we do our, our own design work with the exception of products that I indicated earlier that may be brought to us from the outside. Um, uh, and, and, and we find them to be a good path for us to follow when we go down that path. But uh, there's what, what do we have five people, I think, in R&D at this point designing. We have about seven people in sales, uh, kind of ranging across the board from the customer service sales team that deal uh, directly with end users to uh, a couple of guys that are dealing with the manufacturers who are building bikes. Um, so again, good range of, of, of cross-section of activities going on, but it all happens here in the, in the building. So communication is quick. Uh, uh, you know, we can go back to our machinist in the back and say, could you modify this part to see, make it fit differently or better? And uh, he'll cut something and bring it back to the R&D guys and they're bolting it together that afternoon. So uh, a lot of a lot of very good instant gratification and responsibility right here in the, in the building. We are responsible for what we do. Uh, and you know, talking about the building and the location and the people that are in it, um, and how do you how do you feel like our location in the mountains of Western North Carolina currently informs and has historically informed our our product development? It, it, it's actually kind of a uh, that's a good question. It, uh, Bob Clark was the president of the company when this building, uh, when the d- dirt was you know, dug up to build this building. Um, 1974? 1974 is when it started. Uh, Bob's responsibility was to build the factory and, and pick a location and, and make it happen. And and as the story goes, it's you know, one, the technical side, the proximity of Fletcher to, to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, to Chicago for Schwinn, to Columbia and Connecticut. Uh, and, and that's really where the bicycle assembly was taking place. Nothing was being assembled out west uh, at that point in time. Uh, this was really good proximity to those locations. You know, really easy access to get a, a truck in here or a, a train car stuff heading off to an assembler. Um, but on top of that, uh, there was a really good workforce here that was already in place. And you're out in the country. There's some good golf courses. So there's, a, there's some funny little pluses at the time. Um, Certainly, by the time I started here in '87, it was much more of, um, man, that this is a, this is a great, quiet country place to be. A lot of activities outside, a lot of bike riding, a lot of mountain bike riding, rivers, rocks, trails. Uh, it's it was the, it was the quiet, <laughs> cool place to be. Uh, and and jump forward, you know, 20 years, 25 years. I mean, heck, uh, the Asheville area is is it's on the map. I mean, it's uh, you know, people come here to vacate all the time and try to figure out how to get themselves moved out this way. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a hell of a place to ride a bike too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, and, and realistically, proximity today globally, uh, yeah, it's at this point for us to be shipping product, and you know, sixty-five percent of our business is export, which is a pretty significant number. Um, exporting product out of this location is, is is easy to do. Logistics are good. Traveling out of here is good to get to a customer, um, and yet we always get to come home. And 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 you, when you get off a plane here, you're you're getting off a plane in the mountains in North Carolina. You take a deep breath, and you're you're not in the big city. Before I let him go, I had one last question for Peter, and I knew it was going to be a tough one for a guy like him. I asked him to pick his favorite bike he's ever owned. Ha! Huh. And actually, that's a trick question there, uh, Luke. Um, I, I've owned a significant number of bikes over the years. Um, I'm a passionate collector of vintage road bikes. I have some 30-plus bikes from the 60s and 70s, uh, classics. Uh, you know, I, I think kind of the smart answer is, is, uh, you know, what's your favorite bike? It's, it's the one you ride next, you know, that, but that's a bit of a cliche. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a couple of bikes at home that I've had, uh, since the seventies and, and there's been a huge amount of experiences for me on those bikes, racing, training, rides with friends, you know, and, 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 and particularly because of my vintage collecting, you know, I, I get on some of these old bikes that I've literally had for 40 plus years and, and you, you, you get on it and it flashes you back to some of those experiences. Uh, whether again, it was a, a pleasure ride, a, a club ride or, or hanging on in a race somewhere where I was hoping to finish the race with the group, you know, it's a, that's a tough one. So I, I, I'd be really hard pressed to put one specific one. But if I had to, I'd say it's it's a, a bike I had built in 1979 by Roland Delasana out of Reno. And it was a, a bike built for Criterium Racing, which I did a whole lot of back in the day and probably has the most strong memories for me. When's the last time you rode it? Just curious. Uh, last last spring. Last spring. Awesome. Yeah, they're, they're not wall hangers. I still get out and ride them. Maybe not far, maybe not fast. 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, please keep an eye out for more episodes by following us on Instagram at Cane Creek USA or on Facebook at Cane Creek Cycling Components. You can also find this episode and future episodes on our website at canecreek.com podcast. We're just getting started with all this and aren't quite sure exactly how often we'll release new episodes, but if you follow along, we will let you know when we do. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.